for five different uh, five different weeks, we've we've centered ourselves upon this upon this this idea, and even even the the song. Adam came to me like week one, and he said, "Okay, uh, the next time I'm up, which is the the final sermon for this series, I want to lead Get Right Church." And like a week or two later, Aaron Norris came up to me and said, "I've had a request uh, for when I lead, like next week or what have you, to to lead Get Right Church." And I said, "Sorry, Adam's already called dibs on it." But for the, for five weeks, we we focused upon this uh, this concept, uh, this idea, not in some sort of we've got it all figured out, self righteous sort of way, but what's right with God's design in being His church? What's what's right with God's purpose in calling us out of out of darkness and into light, which is what it means. Uh, to be church. And so along the way, each, each week during this series, seeking to, to emphasize and to elevate and to focus upon these, these concepts. This week we're going to find ourselves really in one primary place, and that's Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, the words that we're going to be focused upon are going to be on the screen, uh, but if you like, you could also turn there as, as well. Let me read just verses 28 and 29 of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And if you look at some of the things that the author of the letter to these Jewish Christians these Hebrew believers, some of the things that the author communicates to them along the way, some of the things that you'll see that lead up to these verses are are things like, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by, by those of faith and those who have proven faithful, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let's get rid of the things that weigh us down in running this race well, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's been marked out before us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. Think of of that concept. The joy set before Him He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The author has said things like, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking that words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. There's this, this contrast between between Mount Sinai and what the author here describes as Mount Zion, this contrast between the Old Covenant and the New, this, this contrast between what Israel had in their relationship with God and what God offers us today in Jesus. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God. You've come to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect to Jesus. 
the mediator of this new covenant. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now the NIV says are, are receiving. The English Standard Version, which I know many of you have, states, let us be grateful for receiving. Since we are receiving, and let us be grateful for receiving. You see, we've, we've received this kingdom. We are currently a part of this kingdom. And one day we're going to dwell within this kingdom. It's, it's the already and it's the not yet of the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here because the reign of the king is at hand. But we also eagerly await the return of the king. As we talked about last Sunday, we're citizens of the kingdom. We're citizens of the kingdom. And because of that, we are created for a place that we have yet to be. Since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now this is Hebrews chapter 12, but I'm thinking also about Romans chapter 12 where the Apostle Paul, he'll, he'll say that uh, worship is not something that can be confined to a particular 75 minutes on a Sunday morning. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says worship, yes, there's something significant and, and, and profound and deliberate and intentional and, and something that is God-designed in our coming together as believers on the first day of the week. And yet Paul will say in Romans chapter 12, and I think Romans 12 and Hebrews 12, they support one another, but Paul says in Romans that worship is not confined to 75 minutes on Sunday. That worship is who we are, what we're about, what we're called to every moment of every day of life. That as long as there's breath within us as Christians, that as we're worshiping God in how we live, recognizing and honoring God for who He is, this is our calling. And all of that moving us toward the day that we yearn for and long for when we will praise Him for forever. We revere God for who He is. We stand in awe of His wonder. We do this here in this sacred space every Sunday. And we're to do this every moment of every day. If you look at these verses and you see the role of gratitude as well, let us be thankful. Let's be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God, is a, He is a consuming fire. He's an all-consuming fire. Building upon these, these images of Sinai, and yet recognizing that, that our God, who's a consuming fire, is the one who has the capacity and offers us a relationship in which, if we'll allow Him, He will reach into our hearts of stone and melt away sin and rebellion. Our God's a consuming fire. It also, when you look at these verses, I mean, when you think about it, you, know, you guys know as well as I do, Christians have at times, they, they've, they've hijacked this statement of worshiping God acceptably and at times twisted it to mean 
in a way that I'm most comfortable. Am I speaking truth or not here, right? I mean, some of us have been guilty of this at times. Come on now. I mean, where's that verse, where's that verse at that says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will be two or three opinions that are not the same. I mean, that's a verse. That's a verse somewhere, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. We have to make decisions based upon our understanding of the Bible. We have to. We're, we're called to. We should. But there are so many places in the Bible that point us to the truth that even in our best understanding, we fall short. And the tendency, the human fallen tendency, is to get caught up in minutiae rather than gospel. Sometimes we're guilty of that. And, and when we do, when we are, and we do, at times we are, the gospel's severely restricted. And the enemy pleased. In Matthew 23, Jesus speaks of what he calls the the weightier matters of justice, mercy, and faith. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 14, he'll categorize some matters as disputable. It's it's doctrine versus opinion. In Hebrews chapter 5, moving into chapter 6, the author, he points us toward elementary teachings, which, which are basic, which are important, which are crucial, which are first principles. There are those that are elementary, and then, then there's moving on to maturity. And all of that is what's right with church. You see, you and I, we tend to think that a person either accepts or rejects God, and certainly that's true. But when saved, a saved person cannot be any more saved. Once in a right relationship with God, I cannot be any more saved than I am at that moment. That's what makes gospel gospel and our submission to the gospel what it is. Now, I can deepen my relationship and better my walk and my submissiveness to God. But we cannot be any more or less saved depending upon us. Our salvation is solely dependent upon the gospel. Our salvation is dependent upon the gospel and our obedience to the gospel. Our being found in Christ. But what those of us who have accepted God must also accept is the godness of God. Now that's not a word, but just roll with me for a second. What those of us who have accepted God must also accept is the godness of God. That God is God. And we are not. And what we must also reject is anything less than that truth. That God is God and we are not. And this is what's right with church. The next quote's from scholar Miroslav Volf. He writes this, The main temptation is not to reject God outright, but to embrace God as something secondary. To use him as an instrument for our own ends. To to accept the godness of God. That God is God and we are not. And to reject, to refuse anything less than that. If if you want to eat more healthily, if you want to eat in a more healthy, disciplined way, it might be that you eat a salad every day. 
If you want to eat healthy, if you want to eat in a more disciplined way, it might be that you eat a salad every single day. But if all you do is add a salad to your already unhealthy diet, it's not going to do you any good. It may even do more harm than good. And what I'm saying is this. Church membership, church attendance, is not discipleship. And that's what's right with church. Go to the next slide there. What we cannot confuse is being a church member and being a disciple of Jesus. And I know that sounds crazy, so just hear me out. Being a part of the body of Christ is not an option for the believer. Do you agree with me on that? Being a part of the body of Christ is not an option for the believer. There is no Jesus yes and the church no. It doesn't work that way. Where you go to church is important. Being united with God and united with one another is a paramount component to being church. Being a part of the body of Christ, being engaged is in what God is doing through His people. It's not optional, but it's also not easy. I said when this series began, Christian unity doesn't come about by conceding to whoever has the loudest or best argument. It just doesn't. Sometimes a squeaky wheel is just a squeaky wheel. Unity is achieved when we make room for one another. That's what's right with church. Unity is achieved when we make room for one another and when we recognize and embrace that there is no plan B. This is the design of God. You see, when you and I, when we hear the word church, we each hear something different because we all have different perspectives and different, and different, we all have different perspectives and different experiences. I would even go as far as to say that there's a broad spectrum of beliefs in this room. Can we get honest for a second? I would go as far as to say that there's a, a broad spectrum of, maybe, the, maybe beliefs is not the right word, there's a broad spectrum of views in this room. Not so much on the weightier matters, as we mentioned before, but what Scripture refers to as disputable. But the core values, they're just that. The core values are core to who we are as a church family. This is a, an a cappella church of Christ that believes in one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We believe in God the Father, the mighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His one and only Son, our Lord. We, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we are striving, flawed as we may be, we are striving to embrace Him and to get out of His way. We participate in weekly communion on the first day of the week, remembering the death of our Lord, celebrating both His resurrection and ours until He returns. We believe the resurrection to be true, and just as Jesus' physical body was resurrected, we too one day will be resurrected. We believe one day there's going to come a time when time is no more. 
And until then, we pray, come Lord Jesus. These beliefs are core to who we are as a church. These things are not going to change. Are you tracking with me? We, we are a church family. We're, under the, we're a church family under the direction of, of our elders. Elders are, are godly men who are appointed through the Holy Spirit at work within this membership, serving in a God-ordained, God-designed role as shepherds over the church that meets here at Eastridge. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says that our job is to make the role, the job of a, an elder, our job is to make their job a joy and not a burden. If ever anyone comes to me concerned with, with something going on at a, at a church down the road, or if ever, so, ever someone ever comes to me with concerns of what's going on here, do you know what I tell them? Every single time, I've told some of you this, trust your elders. Trust your elders. Now, I say that, I can say that because I trust them. I wouldn't be here if I couldn't trust them. Trust your elders. A few weeks ago, I made the the, the statement that this will always be a church where sin does not go without being confronted. And that we are a place of grace where sinners will always be welcome. In in a nutshell, that's who we are. That's who we are as church. This, this is where grace meets truth in Christ's church. But you realize that when many hear the word church, what they imagine are not these things. Some folks, when they hear the word church, they, they imagine the heated debates of years ago. Where, where one preacher or church leader would take on another preacher or church leader in a, in a public forum and they, were, they would argue their points. Show of hands if you have any idea what I'm talking about. The church debates of, of years ago. Some of you are showing your age. Show of, show of hands if you ever attended a church debate. All right, now you're definitely showing your age. Yes, very good. Uh, show of hands if this is a foreign concept to you. Praise God for that. <laughs> I, had a, I had a professor, Dr. Leroy Garrett, who in January of 1955 was arrested after preaching a sermon for inciting a riot at a Church of Christ University in Tennessee, which shall remain nameless. (laughs) And his crime, his offense, was preaching that we are free in Christ. Uh, he was arrested for inciting a riot uh, today, we would say, disorderly conduct. Now, um, I can just imagine that Dr. Garrett passed away a couple of years ago. I can just envision this conversation taking place in, in eternity. Um, talk about getting you some street cred on the streets of gold, right? Um, but I can just envision this conversation with Dr. Garrett and the Apostle Paul there in, in eternity as the Apostle Paul says, you know, one time I was arrested for inciting a riot. And Leroy saying, you know, there was one time I was arrested for inciting a riot as well. Of course, it was just because the president of the school didn't agree with my sermon in knew the sheriff. But, 
And, and, I, and I, I know, I mean, I get it. This is, this is 2019, soon to be 2020. This is not 1955. It's not. But there are still some things that we have got to overcome. You guys have heard me say before, when someone hears, whenever you share with them, whenever, whenever you say, you know what, I, I worship at the Eastridge Church of Christ, when their response is, oh, you go to a church of Christ. Those folks, those folks love God. And they love others. When that's their response, people, we are doing something right. But at times, when we hear the response, oh, you go to a church of Christ. You folks think you're the only ones going to heaven. What that tells us is that there's still some work for us to do. Someone say truth. Thank you. <clears throat> Here, I'll hit pause and tell you a joke since we're kind of at this juncture. So there's this, there's this guy who dies and he goes to heaven. And uh, he meets uh, St. Peter there at the, at the pearly gates. I don't know why it's always Peter. I mean, why couldn't it be a guy like, I mean, no offense to anybody named Bob, but why couldn't it be Bob, right? It's always Peter. But so this guy, he dies and he, he, goes to, he goes to heaven and he meets Peter there at the pearly gates. And Peter says, all right, you know, you've made it in. The guy's like, yeah, that was, that was, my, that was my goal. And, uh, and so uh, Peter says, well, what denomination are you? And the guy says, no, no, I'm, I'm not denominational. And Peter says, well, it doesn't work that way. You, gotta, you have to choose. There's, there are different mansions. There are, there are different rooms. You've got to choose. And, and the guy says, well, no, I'm non-denominational. And Peter says, that's okay, we'll, we'll let you choose. And so he takes him to the first room, and he, and, he, and he opens up the door, and he sees all these people in there, and they appear to be just very nice, good people. And, and Peter says, well, this, this room here, the, the, these folks in here, they're, they're a part of the church of Christ. And the guy says, oh, they seem, like, they seem like nice people. And Peter says, shh, they think they're the only ones here. Okay, that actually leads me to my next point. What we have to distinguish, what we have to distinguish is that what we are a part of is not a denomination. And that's what's right with church. What we're a part of is not denominational. Now this component is key within our history and the restoration movement. And I would say, I would say it doesn't get any more first century than this. I just don't know if it is to the extent that our God intends. You see, even though in churches of Christ, we have the name on our buildings, and we have Church of Christ colleges and universities and publications and newspapers, all sorts of organizations, parachurch ministries. There is even a group called 21st Century Christian, which actually began in the 20th century. But 21st Century Christian, they publicize uh, they publish a Church of Christ directory every year. And some may say, well, with all of that, that, that sounds an awful lot like a denomination to me. And I get it. I get it. But you see, what you and I are a part of in Christ transcends any sort of man-made designation. A man-made division which is actually what denomination means, to divide up. Christ's church is not divided. 
His church is one. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Wherever God has a child, you and I have a brother or sister. Because we are a part of the eternal, unchangeable, immutable kingdom of God. The church that God established through His Son, Jesus the Christ. And that's what's right with church. And I'll admit it, sometimes we will use secret squirrel insider trading language. And those of us who are BRC squared, we miss this. See, I just used one, right? BRC squared, right? Born and raised Church of Christ. Those of us who are BRC squared, those of us who are born and raised Church of Christ, I'm telling you, at times, we will miss this. Those of you who are not BRC squared, you pick up, you pick up on this right away. And I'm telling you, some of us are blinded to it. I'm telling you, I am guilty of this. We will talk about the church. And we don't mean the eternal, unchangeable, immutable church. When you think about it, we kind of use it in a denominational sense. You know, I met old so-and-so the other day and come to find out he's a part of the church. And we don't mean it in a wherever God has a child, I have a brother or sister sort of way. We mean it even if we're blinded to it. We mean it in a denominational sense. When what we are a part of in the kingdom of God, it's to transcend all of that rhetoric. Because God is vehemently opposed to division. God help me if as a minister of the gospel, I ever, ever draw lines of small, narrow exclusion under the guise of truth. God help any of us if we ever refuse His Godness. All we can do, all we should do, is to seek to be faithful Faithful, faithful to God in every, every way. And allow ample room for His grace. His grace for others. And praise God, His grace for us. And that's what's right with church. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father. If anyone is going to come to the Father. They're going to come through Me. Not through our own rightness, but by His righteousness and our being found in Him. He is the way of God and He is the way to God. He in every way embodies the truth of God. And He offers the life that only God offers. He offers the life, the only life that's truly worth living. Let me bring things to a close with this. This from Augustine in the 4th century. And I don't think I've ever read this quote until this last week, and it just seemed perfect to include it. Augustine in the 4th century, he writes this, Truth is a lion, 
rather than having to be defended, let it loose. It'll defend itself. You see, we contend for the faith. We contend for the faith. Jude chapter 3. Now we have to also admit that in the past there have been some who have been contentious for the faith. But we contend. We contend for the faith. But rather than defend the truth, Augustine's suggestion is we let it loose. It'll defend itself. And that's what's right with church. Where you worship and serve as a part of the body of Christ is crucial. Worship is not optional for the believer. But where you worship is. This is a church that is seeking to, as imperfect as we are, seeking to be faithful in our calling in Jesus. And I I am so very thankful for that. I'm so very grateful for this church family, for our history, for our legacy, and for our future. Five years ago in the fall of 2014, I was in conversation with with our elders and, and with James Hawk in regard to the Reese family coming here to Eastridge here in, in Rockwall because I mean ministers we we choose where we where we serve and where we worship just like everybody else and I'm so very grateful I'm grateful that God has brought us here I'm grateful for what we are doing here in this place not that we've got it all figured out I am thankful that each and every one of us are journeying together here in this place as we as we gather here in this sacred space every Sunday to worship our God, God and Father together so that we might leave here and worship Him as well. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. For our God is a consuming fire. One of the priorities in which the Bible is very, very clear is the response of the believer to the gospel of Jesus by being baptized into Christ. So this morning we want to offer a time of response. It could be a time of response for prayer, for you to be prayed over by the leaders of this church. But if you've never been baptized into Christ, I pray that you would not leave here this morning without, without having done so. Come forward, I'll meet you as you do. As we stand, and as Adam leads us in song.